is to hold um, and just some simple outlines to help you to review and study um, and great resources out there as well. Um, gospel tracks are powerful. Gospel tracks are powerful. I'm not too
taught someone and talked to them about the gospel. But if you're not able to do that, you're able to put a track in somebody's hand. The power is in that track anyway. Not power is not in you whatsoever, unless it's the word of God and believing in the spirit. Only the spirit of God can touch the soul. You yep. can't do it. You can't force someone to repent. Yep. You can't force someone to have faith. You can't save nobody. All yep. you can do is hand that message out. And that is what the theme this year, the theme the theme verse this year is Acts 20, oh, 26, 18. Yeah, 26, 18. Um, and the theme phrase is that first phrase to open their eyes. That's a commission that we are given. A solely commission um, to take out the gospel to open their eyes. We can't do nothing but open their eyes. Um, in Acts chapter number 26, the whole context of the whole chapter is that uh, Paul is preaching and teaching and giving the gospel to King Agrippa. Um, and as every fashion of his witnessing was, he had his style. And you start soul-winning enough times, you're going to develop that style that God has for you to reach the people he puts before you. Um, but as he would go out and he would witness, he would give his testimony. He'd tell what God did for him. If you can't do anything else in soul-winning, you can tell what God did for you. Open your mouth and just say, this is what God did for me. And that's what Paul was doing. And as he gave out the gospel to Agrippa, Agrippa's eyes were open. They were wide open. They were so open, he said, almost, thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost. But they didn't quite get it. Why was he almost? Paul's job was over, but open when the eye was over when the eyes were open. After the eyes were open, Paul couldn't do nothing else. He couldn't, he couldn't keep preaching, keep giving, but he couldn't do nothing beyond what the convicting power of the Holy Spirit was. Now was Agrippa's yep. option to either believe it and receive it or deny it. He chose to deny it. Same thing happened with Felix. As he went, went out giving it to Felix, his eyes were wide open. The Bible tells him he was trembling. Um, he was under deep conviction, and he said, go your way. I'm going to call you back. But get out of here right now. I can't deal with this conviction. Why is that? Them eyes were wide open and Paul's job was done. Our job is done when our eyes are open. Their eyes were, we can't do anything more than that. And the Spirit of God then moves in. The Word of God is a convicting seed that cannot be removed. Someone will go all the way to the grave trying to itch that thing out of their heart and out of their soul. They cannot get rid of that conviction until they deal with it. And until they deal with it, they will go all the way to the great white throne of judgment and be cast in the lake of fire with that same conviction that rich man in Luke chapter number 16 took with him. When the rich man went to hell, guess what? He had eyes that were open. He had ears that could hear. He had thirst. He had a tongue. He had feelings. He had memory. He remembered the, the, the gospel message. But he could do nothing about it. You know what that tells us? When you go to hell, it's not annihilation. If you go to hell, you're going to be given something that we are given as well. We're going to get a glorified body. You know why is that? This body cannot enter into the presence of God. This body will not live forever. This body will do nothing in heaven but corrupt heaven above. So we're going to be given a glorified body. When they go to hell, they're going to get a body as well. They are going to get a body that's going to be able to burn forever and weep forever, going to be painful forever and forever and forever and forever and on and on for all of eternity. That's where Agrippa is, so it, 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 it is at now. That's where Felix, as far as we know, the Bible doesn't record whether he came back or not. He's burning in hell, the rich man burning in hell today. When we open their eyes, we can do nothing else. But plant that seed, that convicting power then is going to work on Then, as we go forward in life, you start to throw in another letterbox or a track in a letterbox 
You're not planting the seed anymore. You've already went through and you plowed the field. You've already planted the seed. Now the watering happens. And you have no clue when you walk out of uh, a walkway from that letterbox if that person is going to trust Christ as Savior or if your pastor is going to be in the downtown. Last year in the Soul Winger Revival, um, I was downtown. I went downtown to Queen Street because it goes down. Literally. I was lucky if I found 100 people and all the time that I was down there, down there soul winning. Whereas we would stand on the street corner, we could hand out, what, a thousand tracts in a matter of time for the mass amount of people. So there was this, this couple, um, maybe a home church or someone, they were sitting there playing a harmonica, uh, singing some hymns, and I started talking to them. And as I was talking to them, they were starting to dispute with me about church. And I, was, I, I just decided to continue to talk because um, I didn't know what else to talk to. I, I'm not, I didn't bring up the conversation, but I gave them Bible verse on what the assembling of the local church is all about. Um, then he jumped into, of all things, and I did not do this, but he jumped into the Bible version issue. Uh, it just went so many directions, but I gave him Bible and everything so much that he was irritated at me, and I had to step away from him, and I just started to walk up the street. But before I walked up the street, I got to tap on my shoulder. A man had been standing right next to me at the um, ATM, and uh, he turned around. When I was done talking, tapped on my shoulder and said, I agree 100% with you. I was like, oh, nice. So it opened up the conversation with him. So I started talking with him and chatting with him, gave him a gospel track, showed him the track, and uh, he was religious. He talked about where he went to church. He was Seventh-day Adventist. Um, so we started talking. I knew exactly where to uh, approach him about the church and about salvation. And he had never trusted Christ. When I gave him the gospel track, did what that gospel track said, what the word of God said. You know what he did? When I said, would you like to do what the Bible says? He said, yes. He bowed his head and trusted Christ as Savior right there. A gospel tract. You have no clue. Gospel tracts are absolutely powerful. They convict. Another, another testimony I gave in, uh, from Clark County just the past couple of years, gave in Australia as well. Um, uh, I get phone calls. I don't know about you. Ring, ring. What are you doing? Put this blankety, 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 blank. Thing in my letterbox. Um, and start telling them, cut us off for that. And try to be as cordial as we can. Most of the time, I say, well, I'll be glad to come over and pick it up um, and dispose of it for you. You know, maybe a little bit much for your um, uh, recycling. Um, we give another opportunity to witness. No one's ever taken me up on it. Most times, I say, click. Well, this lady brings me up. I rate that I called her a sinner. And uh, I didn't know it was a gospel tract that did that. I was trying to find out, well, where did I call you a sinner? Where, where did we meet? Did I talk to you downtown? Uh, talking to you? No. It was a, the thing. Leave me. You left me in the letterbox. So she asked me which one it was. I had one on my desk, opened it up, said, okay, where did I call you a sinner? She said, it's on page three. So she read that she asked, can you read it through for me? So she's reading through, and when she's reading through, she's reading the word of God. Hey, come with my hearing, and hearing by the what? Word of God. So she's reading through it. She gets to the point where it says that she's a sinner. And I said, well, ma'am, I didn't call you a sinner. I did not write those words. Those words are from God. God calls you a sinner. And I started to give her the gospel of Jesus Christ, but she just hung up. You know what that, what that woman, her eyes were open. Because there was conviction happening in her heart. We, I couldn't do nothing else. I could not do nothing but present what was there. Her eyes were wide open. Agrippa's eyes, wide open. Felix's eyes, wide open. Her and Felix and Agrippa said, no, get away. I don't want it. They know why they said no. But the Seventh-day Adventist said, yes. Praise God for that. Hey. Um, they, they say yes all the time. We've got a couple in our church, Brother Caratero. Um, you know Brother Caratero. <laughs> um, uh, Joseph, ah, did I pronounce it right? Yeah. Uh, Joseph Kirk, um, Cordero. 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 
Yeah, there you go. You got it right. I had a problem. <laughs> we met, uh, with, he, he came and spent a week with us um, a few years ago and uh, went in and led a lady to the Lord Jesus Christ um, while sitting there, regular living room. Um, her name, uh, uh, Mary Jane. Um, and uh, she never did come to church, never did nothing. She got connected then with the seven day events. Um, uh, she had a not a partner, but a cousin, as you, know, you guys are all cousins. <laughs> I'm learning how communal Filipinos are. You're not blood relation, but you're all cousins. And for a long time, I thought that Jesse was related to her, but he wasn't. So he started coming to church, kept inviting her to come to church, um, but she wouldn't come to church. And then we had, we had Jesse's funeral. And I pray about that because she's really struggling with her financially as a result of the funeral because the coroner will not. Um, say that it was an accident. Um, he's just saying undetermined, which leaves it wide open. Uh, but as a result of Jesse going to the Lord Jesus Christ, and I led him to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Mary Jane started coming. And she got into church, and she be baptized still, and she started bringing her partner. And before you know it, our deacon got a chance to hand him the gospel tract and led him to the Lord Jesus Christ, and they're faithfully coming. Gospel tracts do the job. They do the work. We have millions that have come through our church to go out through New Zealand and into Australia. Now we're going to organize having some sent directly power to Australia and get the gospel out. If you can do nothing else, put enough food track in somebody's name. Amen. You can't do anything. Because the power is not in your words anyway. It's in the word of God. Yep. You hand that word of God out. It yep. so much. There's so many illustrations. I'm going to think of a couple more and get them written down before we uh, start into this conference, but this is what this Holy Revival is all about. Our church has started Amen. doing the letter boxing um, <laughs> quarterly, so our church does about 40,000 tracks a year. And about nine years ago, I chose to start a revival, which I'm going to be at our church, and just to encourage our people, give them that boost in February, because March was our blitz month. Our blitz, we just go out every day for 30 days, just doing all we can, then we just take quarterly the rest of the year. Um, but then you guys found out about the conference down there. Um, so you all came down to Pakistani, and that was the beginning of what this is all about. And I'm really blessed in a great way to see many people saved, hear about them saved, and see you guys handing out gospel tracts all the time. We want to do all we can to keep the gospel tracts going and flowing. God has put some good men coming through. Um, some I, I never even knew, but I've made contacts with them from other contacts. Smith is preached for it by Fox. Doris uh, Belcher is going to next year. David Sorensen, um, Mike McCurry right now. And God's really blessed with bringing some men that have some great wisdom, some real soul winners. Um, and that's one of what they have to say. Um, get what, all the knowledge you can from them uh, so you can take just another step further in your efforts. You don't have to become the Shelton Smith. And, you, and if you're heading that way, you don't have to do it overnight. You just need to go your next step to be working out of the milk of the word or the milk of the soul in the efforts and the need of the soul in the efforts. And you can be there, and as you go along, you'll be really trusting God and his word alone um, to get that, get that gospel of Jesus Christ out. So the theme this year is to open up their eyes. Open their eyes. And what's happening here in Acts 26, 18, um, as he's giving the, giving the message out, I went through a whole session through um, this, and I won't go through that tonight with you, but give you a little bit of introduction to give you an encouragement on um, how to soul win. Uh, the verse for soul winning. I gave this verse over in um, uh, 
Sydney, yeah. I'm not jet lagged, it's only three hours away. <laughs> I'm just old, I'm 55. I'm dyslexic, and I'm 55 still. I'm still 55. Next year, I'll become 56 or 60. <laughs> it's, it's, it's going the wrong way. Um, anyway, um, having a good time with the Lord. And um, uh, Acts 26 18 is about us opening our eyes. What had happened in the book of Acts, the book of Acts is a snapshot of the church, of the first century church. Um, and the first century church would consist of, uh, what, the Thessalonians, Galatians, Philippians, Colossians, um, many, many of them we don't have uh, even pinned down right here as they were scattered abroad. Uh, but the snapshot, it's, it's like a history book. So as you read through the book of Acts, you have to line it up with what's happening um, through uh, Ephesians, um, I forget that name now, but it's Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians. I know I've got it backwards, but First and Second Thessalonians, Corinthians, um, and you lock it up with it. And Acts may give you one or two verses, whereas Thessalonians or Corinthians is going to give you chapters. Uh, and you line up and find the context of the context of what's happening in the Book of Acts. And the one that I went through in our sessions, and, and it's something that we ought to be accused of. Is Acts chapter 17 and verse number 6. Come here with me. Acts 17. And this is where I want to just um, just give a little encouragement around this verse. On the simplicity, the utter simplicity of verse number 1 through verse number 6. The utter simplicity of soul winning. Um, and I said this earlier, and I am preaching to our people, if we're not careful, we may step into soul winning and look at it as a daunting task or a fearful task. What am I going to say? How many Christians, how many believers today are not soul winning, not because they don't have that deep desire to do it, and not because they don't want to see souls in here in these pews. Um, it's that human factor um, gets involved. It's called fear. Um, fear factor jumps in. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? Well, you, first of all, letterbox isn't going to talk back to you. <laughs> So you can letterbox all day long. Um, and if you're so fearful, skip the ones that say no junk mail or whatever. Let them go by. Just go easy, just step by step, and just pop in what you can, where you can, but be actively doing it. Um, the accusation now in Acts 17 and verse 6, the end of verse 6 says that these, uh, these that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. They have turned the world upside down. Now, turning the world upside down is not saying that everyone in the world got saved. Because if it did, we wouldn't be here today. We'd be all over. We'd already be in heaven today. But what that means is, listen to this, all of the world's eyes, every man, every woman in this world, their eyes were open. They turned it upside down. They didn't trust Christ as Savior, not all of them, but all of them had been convicted by the power of God unto salvation. God could come at that moment, right then. Um, but he chose not to, thank God. We have an opportunity now that we can be a part, um, uh, drafted in, adopted in uh, to the family of God today, 2,000 years later. And praise God for that. But these guys, they had an accusation that they had, turned, that they had turned the world upside down. And I use this for you and I. And what was happening here in Acts chapter 17 um, is that the Christians were basically put into a fishbowl. Um, sometimes you think as a pastor, you ever think that your family's in a fishbowl? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Uh, pastors' wives, 
in a fish bowl. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. It's like you're on the pedestal and everyone's analyzing everything that you're doing. You can't sneeze the wrong way. Oh, he turned his head the wrong way. Oh, he didn't use a tissue. Oh, he used his hands. So you, you, every little thing that happens, we're analyzed. Well, guess what? When we go into the world, we're being analyzed by the world. And now they have been analyzed by the world by what they have been doing. And I'm not going to go through uh, Thessalonians, but if you want to take Acts chapter number 17, verse number 1 through 6, and see the context of that, it would be 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, chapter 2, and a little bit into the rest of Thessalonians is the context around what was happening in Acts chapter 17. And what was happening was they were being observed by the world. And now the observation was when they came into town, they're like, hey, look at them. Here they come. Their eyes were open to something that they see. They saw them coming and knew that they had the message of someone they didn't want nothing to do with, and that was Jesus Christ. Um, and they said and gave the accusation, they've already turned the world upside down. They're coming here now. They're going to mess with us now. Let's do something. Let's do something about that. Now, this is Acts 17 is on the heels of Acts 16 where they had already been persecuted and thrown in prison, and uh, the earthquake came, the put me in jail, the jailer got saved, his family got saved, and obviously I think most of us would believe that all the prisoners got saved as well, because all the doors were open, murderers and everyone was in that prison, and the doors opened up, if they weren't born again believers, they wouldn't have been high-tailing, they wouldn't have been stuck around. So you had a whole prison, a board, great prison of born again believers, put me in jail or ready to kill himself, because the doors opened and he thought they all ran away, but they didn't. The good Christians stay in their place where they're supposed to be. And they stuck it out right where they were. He got saved. He then would Paul and Silas, one of the apostles, to share the gospel with the rest of their family. Move into chapter number 16. And the Thessalonians now are looking and saying, hey, look out. They're coming back from Philippi. They were there. There was an earthquake. They cast out that demon. They were making money on that little girl or that woman. And now all these people, their lives were changed. The prisoners are being good people now. We can't make merchandise of any of this anymore. They're coming here to mess with us. And they already knew it because this right here. There was an observation. The world is observing us. And you see that when you go through 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and chapter 2 about how we got to the end of the session. The very last thing that was of utmost importance was that we have to stand blameless before a lost and dying world. They're looking for a reason not to trust Christ the Savior. The power is in the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the power is also in you and also in me in how we live the gospel of Jesus Christ Amen. before a lost and dying world. That word blameless, when it tells us we have to be um, without blame or unblame, unblameably before a world, that doesn't mean that we're not a sinner. The world thinks we're supposed to be perfect, don't they? They think if we, if we sneeze the wrong way, we do something the wrong way, then we're absolutely wrong. Well, blameless doesn't mean we've never done anything wrong. Blameless, by definition, just means there's nothing they can lay hold to us. And that just simply means when we've messed up, we've fessed up, and we've got it confessed up, and we got it right. The yep. example I, I give often is about speeding. If I speed down the road to 100 kilometers an hour in a 20-kilometer zone, <laughs> you think I'll get a ticket? Yeah. Now, am, am, am I guilty? I'm guilty. Now, I go pay my fine. Am I still guilty? No. But am I still considered a speeder? Is it still on my record? It's always going to be there. Somebody can always point back and say, hey, he was a speeder. 
Um, you can't hire him. He's been a spirit. Oh, I'm blameless. It doesn't mean I never did it. It means I've dealt with it, and it's off my record now. It don't matter what crime we do in society. There is a process of being able to be blameless in that crime, but it doesn't mean you never committed that crime. You're not expunged to that, uh, of that crime. So blameless doesn't mean we stand before the world as a perfect person. It just means we stand before the world as having it taken care of. If we offend the world, sin against the world, uh, do something all against the world, we confess it to them. We do something against God, we do, we confess him. We, we, we sin privately, we deal with it privately, publicly. You come up here and you deal with it publicly before God. However it is, you stand blameless before a lost and dying world. They may be able to point fingers all day long, but it's going to be, the Bible says, they're going to be throwing uh, 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 accusations falsely at us. And that's what blameless is all about. The world is watching us today. But our job is simply to go so all we can do is give them the gospel. And their eyes have to, their eyes have to be open. So here in Acts chapter 17, Paul is on the second missionary journey. Um, he's with um, uh, uh, Silas, I think um, it's called Silvanus in the book of Thessalonians. The Greek word or the Roman word, I forget which way I'm not so thoroughly versed in the languages, but it's the same as Paul and Silas having coming out of Acts 16, now in Acts chapter 17. In verse number 1 of Acts 17, it says, And when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, and then came to Thessalonica. Just for context, then, you can go to 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2, and you're in that second missionary journey, um, and you get a lot more details in Thessalonians. But they, here in these verses, we'll see exactly what soul is. God gives the most precise definition um, in these verses. Uh, verse 2 says, uh, okay, well, they came to Thessalonica where was a synagogue of the, of the Jews, and Paul, as a man was, went in unto them three Sabbath days, re, uh, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preached unto you, is Christ. And some of them believed, and uh, consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. There's a lot happening just in these verses right here, but we get a precise definition of exactly what Solomon is. In verse number two, he went three Sabbath days um, as his manner was, speaking to the Jews, but he reasoned with them out of the scripture. That word reason, I hope you don't mind me saying the word Greek. <laughs> the underlying language, that word reason means to dialogue. It means a dialogue. He just kind of opened up a conversation for three days. He was dialoguing with uh, the jury Jews. And where was he dialoguing with them out of? The scriptures? The Bible? Where's the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's in the gospel. It's in the word of God. It's not in um, a catechism. It's not in church tradition. It's not in the watchtower. It's not in the Book of Mormon. It's not in the Pearl of Great Price. It's not in books at all. Yep. He reads in the gospel from the scripture. To yep. also dying world. Yep. So the first thing in soul winning is it's got to be a dialogue. The dialogue is out of scriptures. And look at verse 3. It says opening and alleging. Opening and alleging. Opening means what? Open. You know what alleging means? Alleging means Look, this is the definition, the Greek definition, to lay the side. Opening, I'm dialoguing, 
and I lay it beside them. All so many years, all so many years is given in the scripture. If all you can do is open up the Bible and you go to uh, the Romans Road, the alleging literally means lay it beside them. That means, can you read this for me? The woman that called me on the phone, I said, can you read that track to me? Yeah, and she read the Word of God. The power is in the Word of God. So many, we, we make it more complex than it is. We have so many different plans. We have so many different um, uh, gimmicks. We have so many different ways of trying to, in our power, get someone to listen to us. But we're not salesmen. We are not used car salesmen. We're not here to uh, uh, throw out some trick and some gimmick and something at somebody just to get them to listen to us. Yep. The power is in the Word of God, yep. the Word of God alone. And as, yep. as Paul did for three days, three days, you know what that means? He didn't just walk up to someone and go, one, two, three, pray after me. <laughs> he didn't say, it is three, it's three whole days. Can you imagine three days of going through the gospel of Jesus Christ before souls were saved? You know what that means? They understood what he was talking about. Yep. He didn't just give them the gospel. He opened and he alleged that gospel. They understood yep. it after three days. They were being discipled before they even learned what, what being saved was all about. They knew what the gospel of Jesus Christ was. Souls don't get saved like that. There is no miracle growth. The Bible says that fallow ground needs to be ripped up. You ever give the gospel to someone that hasn't had the gospel before? How foul are they at you? How angry are they at you? That's ripping up that fallow ground. That is a part of the process. Then that seed has to be planted. Then it has to be watered. And as it is with all plants, there's different germination times. Some people I've seen get saved. I've seen the plowing, the planting, and the watering happen within a day. I've seen it happen pretty quick with people. But it doesn't just miraculously happen and say something that they can say. There is a process of laying it out, dialoguing, opening, and alleging. And as you allege with them, you're saying, these are not my words. Look what God said. And what did he say? Look at verse number, uh, verse number three. The alleging and opening, he said that Christ must need have suffered. He dived straight into the gospel. What's the gospel? If you don't know what the gospel is, read 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1 through 4. The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he's opening and alleging. When he alleges it, he says, these aren't my words. Look what God says. And who's he talking to? He's talking to the Jews. He's talking to in the synagogue. When he goes into the synagogue, he's, he's talking to the priests. He's talking to those that by the time they were around 15, 16, 17 years old, they would have had memorized book number one, book number two, book number three, book number four, and book number five in the Bible. That is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They are thoroughly versed in the Word of God. So he now is going to them. He's taking the Word of God to them, and he's saying, look, these are not my words. These are words that you know. You remember that Ethiopian eunuch? When Paul went on uh, Philip the Evangelist, not the, the apostle, but Philip the Evangelist went up by him and started giving to him. He started preaching who in the Old Testament? Christ. He went to the Old Testament yep. and said, hey, this is the word. That, that Ethiopian unit, he knew what the word was all about. Yep. He had come out with a portion of scripture. You know what a portion of scripture is called today? A gospel tract. <laughs> it's a gospel tract. He went into Jerusalem looking for hope. He wanted to know, how can I be saved? How can I know this Messiah? How can I know about eternal life? He left Jerusalem all that opportunity for 
someone is the leader of the Lord and he's still left with that gospel track. And as he is going through that and he's riding down the way, God sent me someone to water the seed. Amen. It's already been planted. And it, 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 when maybe, maybe this week um, in one of my sessions, I'll preach on that Ethiopian unit. And there's a lot to know about the Ethiopian units. They knew who God was, started way back in Moses. Moses, who gave the Ten Commandments to us and gave out the law to us, married an Ethiopian. And they knew exactly who it was. They knew also that they were not even worthy to go in and worship in the temple because of who they were as an Ethiopian. They were unclean. They could not go in. Well, this man is running to Jerusalem trying to find hope because there's a verse in the Bible in the Old Testament. I'll share that with you in a message. It says there is hope for even the Ethiopian eunuch or for the eunuch. And he wanted that hope. He did not find it when he was in Jerusalem. He came out with that gospel track and God sent a man to water that sea. Supernaturally sent him to fire him up and he would chase him up after that chariot. Got on board. But then when he opened up that track, he said, he preached Christ to him, starting in the scriptures where it was at. And when Paul went to these Jews in the synagogue, they knew who the Messiah was. They, they may not want to believe Jesus was the Messiah, but they knew about who he was. So Paul had to spend three days, not just instantly. He plowed up that land. One day, he planted the seed. The next day, he would have watered the seed. The next day, then all of a sudden, verse number four, because he reasoned, and he got a dialogue with them. He then would open it up and say, Alleged. He said, Lay it down. Say, Hey, this is the scripture. This is what you guys have. This is God's word, not my word. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And when he hit verse number four, some of them believed. And he consorted with Paul and Silas. It was about Greeks, a great multitude of chief women, not a few. There, there, was a, there was a revival going on. Why? Because of one man that went in obedient to God, and he just spent his time there. Did what he had to to open it up, no matter how long it takes. You have someone who needs the gospel, Jesus Christ needs to be saved. Don't give up on them in one day. Don't give up on them if they don't want to listen after two days, even three days. Keep going. Open the ledge. Give it to them. Dialogue with them. You know what a dialogue is? It's two-way conversation. It's back and forth. Jesus, in John chapter number four, if you ever had a red letter Bible edition, you go to John chapter number four, and you see Jesus and open in a letter or a dialogue. It goes black, red, black, red, black, red. She spoke, he spoke, she spoke, he spoke, he listened, she spoke, she, he spoke, she listened. That was what a dialogue is. So we've got to be able to open that dialogue. And when you read through 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and chapter number 2, to open up their eyes. And if you want them to listen to your dialogue, they're watching. They know when you've done wrong. They know when you've made it right. They may falsely accuse you after you paid your fine and paid your dues. You're going to mess up too. You may have to go and confess to them. Sorry, I, I was angry today. I didn't mean to say those words to you today. I didn't mean to do this to you. You become blameless. And whether they accept it or not, they realize you have just confessed to them. Stay blameless. And then that opening of legend, that dialogue, one day can come about for you. Soul winning is just reasoning, opening, and alleging the gospel verse by verse. Go through the Romans road verse by verse. You have to do it three days in a row, go through the Romans road verse by verse. And Paul opened up Bible references concerning the gospel, placed it next to his listeners for the purpose of opening up their eyes so that they could trust Christ as their personal Savior. Paul couldn't convince them. He couldn't sell the gospel to them. 
He couldn't open their eyes. It had to be the Word of God. That's the only way anyone can be born again today. Then they believed. And that's the result of reasoning, opening, and alleging. The word alleging now, soulening, is about laying the Word of God next to them. Let them see that it's not your Word, but it's the Word of God. That's where all power is. And they need to trust Christ as their personal seed. When conviction comes, God deals with their heart. They've got a choice to make. Most of the time, seems like 90% of the time, they say no to me. I can't do nothing about that. I can't read their neck. I can't jump in and just, whoa, 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 try this, try this, try that. I'm not there to sell it to them. If they tell me no, then there's already been a conviction happening. They consciously, by their will, their will, they said no. So I don't want this. And then, like Felix, he said, go, come back more convenient times. He was trembling. Agrippa said, almost thou persuadest me to be a believer. And then the woman that I talked to, um, she said, they put the phone down, she got the word of God. And then you got the Mary Jane with the character. You got the Mary, uh, uh, you got the, the you remember all them? Jesse, just had his funeral recently. Um, then you got Mary Jane's partner. Then you got many others. Let's just leave it to the Lord. Let them trust Christ as Savior. Some of them take a while. Jesse took a while. I remember when Jesse came to our church, it took him six months or more before I let him to Jesus. He came and wanted to be baptized. He came back confused with baptism in the Spirit. He just wanted to be baptized. Okay, I can baptize you. No problem. You got to do the Bible first. And he had to be born again. So, nah, I've already done that. <laughs> so he come back again the next week. I want to be baptized this week. He said, no, I can do what the Bible says. I'm glad to baptize you. No problem at all. So he disappeared months at a time and come back and he's born again. I want to be baptized too, but he didn't want to get saved. He came to the point that he then was saying, I'm not sick, but I want to be baptized. First he was saying, I already am, and I want to be baptized. Then he didn't want to be baptized in that, but he knows he's not saved. But one night, it was a Wednesday night, and I was preaching, and uh, he was antsy. I could see it in his eyes, and afterwards he came up and said, I'm going to be he knew it. The conviction was there. Amen. And he responded to the conviction. I led him to the Lord Jesus Christ. He never had a chance to be baptized. He's in heaven today, though. Thank God. Baptismal regeneration is not the way to get to heaven. Um, you don't have to be baptized and be born again. Uh, but he's in heaven today. And as a result of his funeral, we've got one, two, three, four, five in our church. Um, several others that uh, had acknowledged their need of salvation. Um, as a result, so his blood speak upon. Remember Abel's blood speak upon. One day, if we are what we need to be, our blood will speak upon. It's not us to save them, but our testimony, our message. We're in that fishbowl. The world is watching us. And one day, when we are dead and gone, someone else may trust Christ as Savior. Someone may come up alongside and give them the gospel. It may not even be from this church. They may be in a foreign country somewhere. And the first thing you think about is, there's a house. He's dead and gone. But he kept trying. And I kept mocking him. But they knew who I was. They knew who we are. We're not perfect people. We're going to mess up. But they knew we were watching us. And then they didn't get saved. Not because of who I was, but because who I was, it kept them from denying Christ. And they wanted to turn around and wanted to watch for Jesus Our job and the theme this year is to open their eyes. It's such an easy job. All you have to do is let them off. All you have to do is dialogue, reason. Open up that gospel track. If you can't do nothing else, open and alleging. Lay it before them. Alleging, 
place to put for them. We're not worried about the study of that word. They need that. They don't need you. They need God. They need the word of God. They come from here and hear about the word of God. Amen. Let's um, close the word for it. Father, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this verse. Thank you for this time. We can be encouraged in the word of God. And I pray, Lord, tonight. Uh, Lord, if there's one here that has not trusted Christ as personal Savior, or they're trusting something else, Lord, they like Jesse was trusting um, his charismatic um, doctrine, others trust in baptism, others trust many other things, you know, good works, but none of that is going to save them. I pray that the conviction power of the Spirit of God would open their, their eyes to the truth of what they need, in order that then they will turn and repent and put their faith and trust. Lord Jesus Christ, when we've been on the cross of God. And tonight, Lord, for everyone here that's a born again believer, they'll be encouraged and they can do the simplest thing. Even get past that fear of opening a legend when they trust the Spirit of God. And that, that they would earnestly, earnestly watch their testimony. We're commanded to be holy before a lost and dying world. But we don't need a holiness to get to heaven. We're going to get a holy body. We don't have a body that's holy that's going to enter in. But Lord, we are to live holy, grow holy, for the purpose that the world can see the gospel in us and see Christ in us. And open up that opportunity that we can open our eyes and we can trust Christ as the person we say. Lead us through this weekend, and Lord, uh, convict those to be here that's not. Encourage those that are here. And Lord, give us all refreshment as we walk in and walk out for the next couple of busy days. Lord, that we can encourage in the Lord and in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then there are commissions to open up the eyes of the law. So, precious Holy Name, we pray. Amen. 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 Right. That's something that we can, uh, you know, uh, do in the coming day. Uh, bring our visitors to the meeting so that, you know, in the prayer that the Lord will open their eyes. And that's also something that we can, something that we can uh, do uh, even after the so many revivals. And that is to put all those plans in the mailboxes. And put that in the hands of those people with the desire that the Lord will open their hands. Again, that is uh, something that is not really hard to do. Put it there. Get the trust and put it there in the middle of it. Give it in the hands of those people that need it. And every person needs it. Again, so it's, um, let's have Pastor Randall this time. Just, you know, if you are, you know, uh, thirsty, uh, you can grab some drink, but. We will carry on. Okay, Pastor. Thank you so much. Right, person. You're so weird. I have a. I am with you, Pastor. That's an eye. By the way, you can see the different Pastor.
like it. But you know what? We kind of printed another, another um, That's still track. That only means that, you know, people are interested in people rather than this, and as soon as they see the tweet,
I am very much in with the fellowship that we have, with the faithfulness that you have in coming together to worship the Lord. I have learned many things that God wanted me to see firsthand how he can prosper the ministry when uh, we all will work together for his glory. Amen. Uh, yesterday I helped our pastor, your pastor, uh, Adrian, as he is preparing for this soul winning uh, seminar. And I really would like to encourage you to give you time for it. It's not, if you look at it, it's kind of not our nature. But you know what? This seminar will encourage you, uh, will encourage you to have that fire to open the eyes of people. It's very important. And I have, while uh, in this long drive, I was talking to your pastor and I have learned many things uh, from him. I saw how your pastor faced some hardships uh, when he followed the Lord's leading uh, to start God's ministry in this in this uh, country. Uh, we first met in, in uh, Sydney, right? And I I saw how hard it was uh, for him as a family man. And I'm aware of the many inconveniences that he had to face, uh, had to do in obedience to God's leading upon him. Uh, but the Lord is never a letter. Amen. The Lord is never literally now own two church fans. Wow. <laughs> I took picture of them and kind of, you know, our 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 four. Four. Wow. If you go to their uh you been to their house? Six hours. <laughs> and God gave them a house fit for me. Is that right? Pastor Adrian is a very simple man, but God put them in circumstances that uh, he would be homeless. And after that, he was forced into, to live in this beautiful house. That's how God works, isn't it? That's, how, that's the wonder uh, of our Lord now. Because God is never in heaven. Yeah. And um, God will always use people, uh, sometimes not from this, from, from the church, but I am also happy that I'm getting into that in that Tonight, let me talk about inconveniences in serving rule. So please go to Acts 24, not very far from what Pastor Pastor um, Bruce Howell uh, talked about. And let us just read one verse, and it will not, it will not be long because um, uh, I am used to uh, talking two hours. And I don't to <laughs> so uh, 24, and let us just read verse. <coughs> 25. Acts 24, verse 25. 
Um, so please stand and let us give reference to the word of God as we read this together. When you're ready, say amen. 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 Ready, go. And as the reason of righteousness, in front God's man, fully troubled and answered. Go that way with his time, and I have completed Lord, I thank you for this privilege that I can be your mouthpiece and people to encourage them. Lord Father, thank you so much for Pastor Lewis Howell, the encouragement that he has given us to work to be a soul leader. Lord, I thank you for your people and your faithfulness in coming and wanting to learn more of you and wanting to be encouraged. I commit myself to you, the Heavenly Father. That the Lord, please prepare the heart of every day of your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is a very unusual verse for this topic in convenience. But let us see what we can learn from this. Felix was named governor of Judea by Claudius in AD 52. He was married to Priscilla daughter of Herod Agrippa, the one, the first. And he was cruel. He was ambitious and he was responsible for the murder of many. In fact, sending Christians to, to Rome for trial. Felix is best known for his encounter with Paul in, in the previous chapter 23 and, and verse 23. After Paul arrested, was arrested in Jerusalem, he was sent to Felix's, Felix Caesarea for judgment as he was accused of committing rebellion against the Romans, among other things. Felix kept Paul in suspense about his judgment because I, 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 can, I can really feel, I can see that he was, he was hoping to received some bribe, right? And he was, so he kept that in suspense, give that his suspense to Paul. And, um, but in the life of Paul, and in the life of any Christian, God never said it would be convenient. If not, God never said it would be convenient, very convenient to serve him. In fact, Luke 9.23, when Jesus called people to follow him, he said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Felix, although he trembled at the prospect of going to hell, he wouldn't get saved because it was inconvenient time for him. He knew if he got saved, that there were some things that will change in his life. And a lot of people, uh, you know, if, if I would follow that, then I would not be able to enjoy my dancing anymore. I would not be able to enjoy my smoking anymore. I would not be able to enjoy my drinking anymore, my womanizing anymore. And it becomes inconvenient for them, not thinking that they will perish. 
We know that God is not willing that any should perish. That's why He encourages us, His children, to go out and share the gospel. No matter what, as Pastor Bruce Howell will say, they might say no. In fact, I've been spot out many times. I've been, you know, door slammed to my face. But you know what? One day, they will be. Remember this? Remember this? You slammed the door, this person? And, and, and by the way, in our church, I encourage people not to be scared about uh, no trash, no uh, junk meat. Yep. Our gospel prayer is not a junk meat. Amen. Yep. And if they will ring, if they, the number in the trap is my number, and they will be ringing me. And I look. And this guy actually ran me one time, and how they put this, this rubbish in And as soon as I wanted to, you know, I started talking, he just dropped me off. The gospel track, the word of God, is never a trash. Yep. Amen? Yep. And so don't be scared. In fact, God will be with God will be with you. And so Felix knew that if he got saved, there were some things that would change his life. And he concluded that it would be inconvenient for his lifetime. Lifestyle. And by the way, also there are some today that would profess Jesus to be their Savior, but they're not willing to commit and serve wholeheartedly because it would inconvenience them. It would inconvenience their lifestyle. There were four things that were inconvenient that stood in the way of Felix getting saved. It was not that these things were necessary for salvation, but he understood that God expect, expected these things for Christians, of a Christian. These four things that Felix found inconvenience, inconvenient are the same four things that keep most Christians from being sold out for Christ. Being sold out in serving the Lord. So let me give you, let me give you the first point. First, doing right for God is inconvenient. Righteous living is inconvenient. Are you with me? Felix reasoned of righteousness. Doing right is not always convenient to do. If the only time you plan of doing right when it is convenient, then you are going to find that serving God is almost impossible. It would be so laborious. I have always mentioned in our church there is this, and and I will I will I will I will talk to you about this because um, there might be some of you here, right? Since they became a member of the church, I have been observing this. She has two kids, little kids, and now these kids are now grown up, right? They've never been absent in church. 
there's never been late issues, and we have no chemists, and so God put in her heart to start. And she, and she would ask me what song to sing this that During the week, she would be practicing that song. She's a lot, she's a lot, yes. Right? Inconvenient, but when you love the Lord, Amen. <laughs> you would not even think it's inconvenient. And the same with Brother Ray. Brother Ray, her husband, right? And he's a nurse. He's a nurse. And um, he's forced into working on Sundays. And as I always tell our people, you know, uh, if you're a Christian, always show your employer how hard working you are. Amen. I was really blessed with Tim's uh, message last Monday, right? There's a time when he says, uh, he says, um, when when you are work, you 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 work hard, but you you stop your work. You cannot work when the boss is there to give some uh, instructions. And the same with God, we have a time to sit down and to be instructed. Amen. And during the week we go out and, and work. You do not work while God is giving the instruction. Amen. Amen. That's what we're saying. Is that the truth? Yep. You don't work while God is. And so, Brother Ray is a hard worker. And when he was forced to work on a Sunday, right? He said, um, Sir, I'm looking for another job. Because I cannot work on a Sunday. That's the rules day. Right? And guess what? No, we cannot afford to lose you. And so we have to do much. He's not a manager. <laughs> He's not a manager in the in the operation of the agency. In the hospital. Work hard to the point where your boss would say, Oh no, I cannot afford to lose this man. Amen? Isn't that what the Bible says? Amen. We should be working hard. But, but that, that's not what I'm going to talk about tonight. When you look at doing right, I know it is inconvenient at times. Serving God faithfully to His body, the church, soul winning, returning the time, dressing right, walking with God and loving people is not always convenient. Because that's not our nature. These things comes when with, with, with serving God. But you will find that it will give you joy. In the end. It will give you peace and joy. It is only when you start to appreciate indeed as a new creature in Christ, new things and and Christly things are expected of us. And they are not necessarily convenient. You have to come to the point in your life that you do right because it is the right thing to do in the sight of God. Amen? And not because it is convenient. 
We have encouraged every brother, every brother and sister in our church to be, I mean, not sisters, <laughs> men and children, young people, to be preaching. Right? And so I made that uh, every Sunday afternoon, different men in the church who will be preaching and, and young people. And that will, and truly that is inconvenient for them. They do job, they study. But guess what? They are learning because they are studying. It might be inconvenient, but they are so happy. Thank you, Pastor, for the this. I have seen that there's a difference in really studying yourself and your skill. Amen? Yep. And sometimes it gives you joy that what you hear is confirmed to what you have read. And so I encourage them to be preaching in the afternoon, to be fed and taught of the strong need of the Word of God, so that they can also be a blessing to others. And there's a verse in, in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, that, that bothers me about this. It says, For when, for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need and, and and I hope you won't be bothered. Because there are, there are many people that come to church regularly and are really growing. They, they, they at least, as Pastor Lewis Howell said that, you know, you could start in talking to people. Just perhaps a friend, a relative perhaps. And, and guess what? You gain confidence bit by bit in people. And then you will be doing so. It says here, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk. Sadly, there are still many babies in church. You know? Uh, in Filipino, there may be teenagers there. They have already Mustas or Gumot and still in their baby room. What do you call that? Feeding bottles. And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong milk. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in word righteousness, for he is a babe. What he is saying is that it looks like we need to go back to milk feeding again for failing to take up the challenge. Be strong, but be strong in the Lord, but you cannot. Be strong in the Lord until you are really eating the right food. Yeah. Yep. But strong milk belonging to them that are old, who age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. We're not here to force anyone. What Pastor Lilia, what Pastor Lewis Howell was teaching, we're not into forcing anyone. But it is necessary for us to show you the word of God because, you know, I don't want to face God, and, and personally, I don't want to face 
he's done and says, you paid to fish your men. You paid to fish your people. Look at God. You, you failed to open the word of God and, and alert you. I like, I like that. You know, let them you see this. And let them, I always do that when I'm so winning, I let them read. How's she understanding of what you It is very important that we are doing the will of God. I don't want, as I said, I don't want to, to be facing God and say, oh, you didn't you didn't Remember, I'm just, we're just a mouthpiece. As the adage goes, please don't shoot the messenger. Amen? Yeah. Number two, self-control is inconvenient. Felix didn't want to get saved because he wanted to live his life in whatever way he decided. He, 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 he wants to live a life loose, without control. Right? He seemed to, he seemed not able to control his lifestyle. You will find that being temperate with your desires and actions won't be convenient. When you are in the pressure to do wrong, it is not that you must make the inconvenient choice to do right. When wrong things are around and immoral pleasures present themselves, it is not always convenient to say no. Because that is not our nature. But the Bible says we are now new creatures in Christ. Yep. The inconvenient thing to do is to tell your class that you are now going to do right because you are now a child of God. Amen? Amen. Many years ago, I had a very flirtatious, flirtatious work me. Even if she knows that I was married. I had all the pressure to do wrong, but I took the inconvenient choice not to fall into her skin. Even if it will break our relationship. Amen? In church, you have you might you may have the pressure not to, to disobey God. But you must make the inconvenient choice to do what is pleasing to God. Ask yourself all the time, you know. If I don't want to be late at work, why should I be late in church? Amen. Amen. Yep. If I don't want to be late in somebody's party, why should I be late in church? That's right. If I do not wear this in someone's um, special this kind of attire in someone's special uh, part of whatever. Why should I be wearing this in church? <coughs> are you with me? It might be inconvenient, but you are doing the right thing. 
Number three, I have to be quick because number three, it is inconvenient to turn down an opportunity to make money. To turn down an opportunity to make money. Felix wanted money to be paid as a bride, as, as I can see in the reading, for Paul's freedom, which tells us that he would rather live in sin and make money than get saved. You certainly don't have to be poor to get saved or serve the Lord, but money cannot be your focus in life. Amen? Amen. If you're going to be successful, successfully serving the Lord, there will be times when you must inconvenience yourself to turn down the hopes of the world for financial opportunities. It's not right to be working on the Lord's day. It's the Lord's day. It's not yours. Amen? Yep. It's not yours. And I always say this to our people, you know. If you pray that you will be freed on Sunday and God can see the desire of your heart. Because there are people who pray, oh Lord, I want to go to church, but their desire is, I don't want to be absent because that's more money. Because it's Sunday. As I said, If you are presented with two choices and both are not really simple, what would you choose? <clears throat> choose that which is pleasing to God itself. It might not be simple, but choose what is pleasing to God. Number four, timing is never convenient. Timing is never convenient. <clears throat> Felix wanted to wait when he should have immediately gotten saved. If you are waiting for the convenient time to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, and if you are a Christian, if you are waiting to for the convenient time to serve the Lord, you will never find the time. Yep. No. You will never find the time. Yep. There is never a convenient time to step to step out of faith. It was never convenient for Jonathan and his armor bearer. It was in fact like a, a suicide. And that was the sign that God gave me when <coughs> I was we were trying to fly to the Philippines because it was my pastor's 90th birthday and what we wanted to surprise him. He rang me one morning and said, John, I'm ringing because um, I want you to help me pray. I said, what's that pastor? He said, please pray for me because I have a friend in Australia where 
three years ago he promised me that he would be there on my 90th birthday. And I laughed because I knew he was And I said, Pastor, you know, times has changed. You know, we had this pandemic, and we are still are. There's no way. I said, get, get back to John. I said, um, I cannot, but help me pray. Because I know that God will find me Right? So I booked my ticket, only to be called by the um, uh, airline and say some, what made you think, sir, that there's a country who will accept you when you are in that? Especially the British, the Chinese people. And sir, there's no airline who will take you, sir. Right? And I one hope that they, and God led me to read about Jonathan asking a sign on the Lord how to attack the, the uh, Palestinian garrison. Right? It was crazy. It was suicide. And yet, God, Jonathan followed God's side. And so I went back and said, um, what happens if I insist that you book pass a ticket? And the lady says, well, that's your choice, but, you know, it's a waste of time. I said, you mean I lose the money? She said, no, you won't lose the money. She said, I said, okay, okay, yes, okay. I don't lose the money. <laughs> we went to the airport. We had the PCR test, both negative. Uh, five hours we had to be there early. And when we went to the counter, all right, passport. What's your vaccination certificate? I said, no. Sir, what do you think? Do you think you can fly? I said, can I speak to your manager? So I was brought to the office. I spoke to the manager. This manager was a lady, right? A Singaporean lady. And she was saying, sir, you know that we can But guess what? She ran the Philippines. I thought that was a first sign. Why would you run the Philippines? It would be easy for her to say, hey, that's the policy. This not And for, can I have a look at your license? Can I have a look on this? And, and took picture of that. And, and she was doing all that. Sir, Filipinos are allowed to go back to the Philippines, but not Australia, not others. Right? Even if they are Good. I'm a Filipino. No, sir, you are Australian. You have an Australian passport, sir. You cannot. Cut the story short, we missed that trip. But God has put my heart that faith works. Amen? I have really faith that God is going to do some of His work. And so we will book a ticket. Got, get the PCR again. It's not quite cheap. That's $175 per person. We had to wait for three hours. Negative. And then, wait. He said, if you come back, if you rebook your ticket, you have to have your birth certificate. Brought our birth certificate. 
Right? <laughs> the picture of it, send her to She did all the work. And then she said, Sir, how would we know that the Rasita Kinyanola is the same as the Rasita Zatu? Can you give us your birth, uh, your marriage certificate, sir? But you know what? Instead of reacting, I just say, Lord, you have this in your hand. Cut the story short. He said, Oh, you're all right to go, sir. I screamed in there for that. Praise the Lord! People were looking at, at this guy. Look, only one left in the counter. He said, Oh, are they okay now? And he ran to pick up our luggages, and then he said, Sir, where is your half, one, one half pass? I said, what is one half pass? That is required for Filipinos. But before, but before I could answer, he, he, he said to this lady, do hers and I'll do his. And they were doing that and took picture of that and said, Sir, when you come to the airport, yes, scan this. Praise the Lord. It's a miracle. Amen. Amen. I don't know why I went here, but it is never convenient. Amen. But you need to trust the Lord. If you wait for a convenient time to do right to the Lord, it will never come. Because God is pleased with your faith. You have to act. Amen. Amen. Nothing pleases God except God. Amen. So I challenge you to choose inconvenience over convenience. One reason why you need to be connected to the church family is to fulfill your calling to serve the Lord and other believers in practical ways. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, Now ye are one body, now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. All of us together are Christ's body, and each of us is a separate and a necessary part of it. Your service is desperately needed in the body of Christ where God has planted you. Yep. Amen? Yep. What joy is there if you come in and just walk out? I love that lesson last Sunday about doctrine and fellowship. Amen? It is necessary. You come in and just you'd be no different if, uh, personally it would not be different when I was a Catholic, you just come in and walk out nothing happens I pick up nothing it all ritually but even in the Catholic Church even when wrong they are wrong because they are not really following the scriptures yep. they find joy in serving the church how much more if you are truly serving God yeah. and doing what He wills you to do to share the gospel to people. 
I don't know for you, but to me, I, I couldn't sleep when somebody, I share the gospel and receive Christ as Lord and Savior. I couldn't sleep with joy. And I keep praying, Lord. I will always ask, can I speak to you again, talk to you again, so that we can grow? They'll be praying, they'll be crying, but my concern is for them to grow up, you know? And it gives you joy as a Lord, another soul, another soul. Did you have that experience? If you didn't, perhaps you haven't been so pleased. There is joy when you see someone receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen? There is no small service to God. It all matters when you serve God. Likewise, there is no ins insignificant ministries in the church. Some are visible, some are behind the scene, you know, but all are valuable. All are valuable. Small or hidden ministries often make the difference, the biggest difference. In my home, the most important life is not the big chandelier in my lounge room. I don't know if you can relate to me with that. The most important thing is the little lights that will help me not to stumble when I go to the... Is it right? It's not really the good... It is very important that we do follow God and do His will. Every ministry matters because we are all dependent on each other to function as the body of Christ. If you are in charge of a special number, be faithful in doing that. If you are in, I, I, I just came in and Tim and Matt came in and boy, this, they were busy preparing, putting the chairs up. And it made me up. Amen. And that should really encourage you to also be doing the same. Amen? Amen. Ah, they are big boys, they can do it. Hey, then can you imagine that, you know, can you imagine if well, my 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 um, one of my body will say, uh, "No, I I don't need that nose, <laughs> or I don't need that ear, I don't need that finger." We need to be working together in this body. My eyes is working, my ears is working, my hands are working, my feet is working. Because that's what makes the body healthy. Amen? That's what makes the body going. Many happens when one part of the body, many things will happen when one part of the body fails to function. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Pastor, your pastor has just been operating with problems with liver. That liver will start to function, it will affect the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Amen? 
and it will lead him to God. Praise God that he still very much alive. Amen? The rest of the body suffers. Imagine if you leave her, as I said, you know, stops to work. And labor will say, ah, I'm tired, I'm, I don't want to serve you anymore. And then that's, that's, that's it. But praise God that we have this word to be encouraged, Amen. to continue to serve. Yep. Today, thousands of local churches are closing by dying by the meal. Yep. In the world. Yep. Because the Christians are unwilling to serve. That's right. Yep. They sit on the sidelines as spectators. Yep. Folks, don't come in here as a spectator. Amen. God calls you to serve far beyond anything you could, you know, serve because He's His promise that He will bless you. He will, He will always, well, will will never, He will always be a, a rewarder of, of good works. Amen. Salvation is not a reward; it's a gift. But if you are a grateful person. You would do as in gratefulness. You would do what God tells you to do. How are you serving the body of Christ? And let that sink into your heart. How am I serving here in this church? How am I am I just a spectator? I just watch steam and, and math doing the hard work. I just watch other people doing the hard work in the kitchen. Now, let us work together. Amen. Yep. It might be inconvenient, yep. but be gentle. Yep. You have peace. You have peace. Thank you all for watching. This is not my message actually tonight. <laughs> but uh, since your pastor says, no, no, you will preach it on Sunday. Alright, okay. I will rather give that message next Sunday. Okay. So I hope you were blessed with that little Amen. encouragement. Loving God, Holy Father, thank you so much for being back to your word. Help us, Heavenly Father, to Lord. Do what is right, even if it is inconvenient. Because Lord, you are always a reward. Not because we want to be, we don't do work, uh, do you will, the Father, or to be rewarded, but Lord, help us to see that Lord, be free from punishment in heaven is already a wonderful thing to be thankful for, to be grateful for. So help us all do that. To really, Heavenly Father, do you will, even if it is inconvenient for us. In Jesus' name I pray. And the people say, Amen. Amen. What a blessing. Yeah, two uh, very powerful messages we have heard.
not very often Wednesday service. And praise the Lord for that. And again, we heard about that in, um, in convenience. So again, we are going to face the days ahead and we are going to, you know, um, battle it out and, 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 and gain the victory because um, that we have a big days coming and uh, we need to, we need to um, do the work. Let's do the hard job. Let's do the whatever inconvenience we, we may encounter. Um, bring the people in. That is our first, you know, uh, task this coming um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, Sunday evening. Let us bring those people to, to, uh, to, to the vicinity where the gospel is preached. So again, um, it's an inconvenient, a very inconvenient time for us. But that, that is what it is. Allow yourselves to go through that inconvenience because I will tell you, that is nothing in comparison to what Jesus Christ did there in the cross. Amen. That is nothing. The Lord Jesus Christ, you know, allowed himself to go through to that most inconvenient time. Yes. To die on that cross just for you and me. Right. Yep. Bringing people is nothing. Yes. It's nothing. <laughs> and of course, do not bring the people. Do not bring the people. To the, to the church and you yourself not turning up. So, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. So I don't I don't want to invite you now or prompt you or um, urge you to, to come because that is given already. I expect you to come. But what I'm uh, expecting really what I am asking you to do this time is to bring someone with you to church. Bring someone with you Friday evening. Friday evening, if you can arrive here 4.30 or 5, between that time, please come. Because that is, you know, uh, uh, very important that we can gather as early as we can and we can sh shoot off that, you know, uh, first preaching and then we can fellowship very well after the preaching for two messages. And again, I'm emphasizing the importance of the Word of God and also I'm emphasizing the importance of fellowship. Amen. We need to fellowship after that. And also, again, on the Sunday, the same. You see, um, bring these people in. Jesus Christ said, go ye into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. What's the word compel? Take the hat, drag. That's compel. That is compel. So, oh, I cannot come. Uh, oh, no, 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 come. Compel them to come in. That's coming from the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Why? Because the gospel will be preached. And that gospel might be that, the last, you know, gospel that you will hear before they will leave this earth. And that is very important. You see, um, uh, just encourage uh, the people in our church. If you, if you, have, if you know someone that's here tonight, uh, bring them. Brother, you know, uh, this is what we are going to do this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Let us uh, do this. And again, young people, young people, we have, we have, um, what's this, um, on Saturday, Brother Micah McCurry will be leading, will be preaching there in the youth rally. Um, this is going to be a jo joint effort uh, with the churches and Pastor um, Pastor Jason Norris will be hosting this. Uh, 
um, youth rally on a Saturday. We do not have program on Sunday, but I'll tell you what, it's not that uh, we don't do anything on the, on the Sunday afternoon. Young people, no program, but we will divide ourselves and we go out, maybe chatting at the same time, inviting people. Our young people will, will go invite people to come for the evening service. Alright, so let's, uh, let's do this. This is a very rare occasion that we can have uh, Pastor Raoul, we have Pastor Dennis Lederman, we have Brother Micah McCarry, and also we have Pastor Johnny uh, Latoy. So we have all these preachers, and it is a shame if, you know, our, our doors are empty. It is a shame. Yep. We cannot forgive ourselves with this if that's going to happen. So therefore, you know, let us do whatever it takes to bring these people into the um, into the church. Because we, we do not, if you cannot win souls, the more, the more you bring people. Because if you do not know how to win souls, if you are shy in winning souls, if you if you do not know what to say in winning souls, then bring them to church. So that let these pastors tell them about the gospel. Alright, so I hope that uh, we will, um, you know, um, uh, remember that, put that in your calendars, Friday, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, we must be here, 5 o'clock, Sa Saturday, we have a uh, youth rally from 10 o'clock in the morning to, I think, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and then at 4 o'clock, uh, 4.30 of the afternoon, Saturday, we will have our own um, soul winning revival uh, in our church, I think, here. Here, um, Friday here, Saturday here, Sunday morning in Mount Eden War Memorial Hall, and Sunday evening will be Mount Albert War Memorial Hall. So it's all in the it's all in the announcement in the group chat. Have a look at that and uh, look after that. All right, um, brother uh, Matt, let's uh, close down. In